Well, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Amateur Logic Live Before Studio Audience recording. Can you do a live uh, recording, Tommy? Uh, we're doing it now. Okay. This maybe it's groundbreaking. Well, it's yeah. fun to be here this afternoon. We've got a uh, a show lined up with several special guests. Some of them still uh, still getting ready to go right now. Uh, how many people here have seen the IC7300 today? Imagine a few of you have. What do you think about it? Isn't that a nice rig? Ray brought it down. We did a video of it. I was blown away. I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't know it was going to be that good. Yeah, he was still able to get that one out of the shop. Well, he did, even after we tied him up, you yeah. know. But, uh, the, uh, the, the crime scene tape there didn't hold him too well. No, it didn't. It, it broke right through. Well, we've seen a lot of uh, people that that we know a lot of people that we know now yeah. at Dayton this year it's it's always a lot of fun to come here and uh, meet all the hams meet all the fans of of uh, all the the different shows that we participate in and i got to say uh, you know our new show ham college has has really taken off you know we we started it uh, was it it's been going a year now yeah a little over a year and we've met a lot of new hams here uh, even today that people came up to us and said, you know, we watched Ham College and that got us to rolling or, or my wife got licensed because she, and there's there's one of them right there. It sure is. Yeah. <laughs> Say hello. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that's really been working great. And we really appreciate ICOM helping out with Amateur Logic, with Ham College and with Ham Nation, you know, they really go above and beyond to help support us in these causes because, they, you know, it costs money to to do them and the gear and the, the time and effort, and they've been right there all along. Just Yeah, wasn't for those guys a good chance we wouldn't be going for the working on our 11th year now. Yeah, it wouldn't. And this is, well, we've, we've celebrated the 10-year anniversary of Amateur Logic now. We're probably one of the first video podcasts Period. Not just ham radio related, but uh, one of the very first video podcasts. A lot of them have gone by the way. We're still here, and we appreciate everybody who watches. And that's what keeps us going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're just up here having a good time and taking you guys along for the ride. So really appreciate every one of you. Yep. Well, Tommy, uh, who have we got for our first guest here tonight? Well, we got the one and only Rock and Ray. Rock and Ray. I don't see him. I think maybe he is uh, in a different movie this year. Yeah. Sometimes he's known as Darth Ray. Darth Ray. Uh, <laughs> well, we, apparently he's not here yet. He's still getting in, in costume. But we we do have um, uh, one of his friends here Yeah. That that I guess we'll just have to bring in and in the hope he doesn't stumble coming over the stairs over here, but uh, I'll see if I can help him if he needs it. Who is this fellow, Tommy? That's Chewy. Chewy. <laughs> you make wow, it? Chewy. I don't think he can sit down uh, in his costume there. Oh, we can't even see him on the camera. Any chance you can stand down there? There you go. Oh, boy, we can uh, see him now. That's pretty close. What do you, what do you think, Tommy? It's, it, would he be considered DX? Oh, yeah, definitely. Most definitely. definitely. Well, Chewy, what is, um, what is your call sign? <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? I, I don't speak Wookiee. Oh, oh he's got a, a translator? Okay. VE7PVL. PVL, Paulville from uh, ICOM Canada. Uh, we appreciate well, you being true. here, Paul. There was a, a big oh, gathering of, of some ICOM folks last night. Uh, they were all in Star Wars garb this year. Yeah, I posted a picture of them on our Facebook group. So if you're on the Facebook, go check that out. It's pretty neat. Yeah. They really did it upright. They did. I bet that's hot. 
I bet that is painfully hot. Uh, probably hotter than the lab coats that we were wearing here last year. Yeah. You know, I'm allergic to cats. I, I guess I'm not <laughs> allergic to Wookiees. Apparently not. If you start sneezing in a moment, we'll know what was up. No. Well, have we we uh, seen Darth Novak yet? Yeah, he's he's around. Well, I tell you what. While we're waiting on him, why don't you sing the theme song? song? Okay. I don't think anybody here really wants that. Yeah, I'm not not sure they do either. I don't but. see. Well, while we're waiting on that, we've we've got another host that's uh, part of Amateur Logic. You know, we're an international show. Our friend Peter, VK3PB from Melbourne, Australia, couldn't be here today, but he sent us just a, a short video clip to say hello to everyone. Hello, everybody, from Peter in Melbourne, Australia. I'm sure you're going to have a great time uh, at Dayton this year. There'll be lots of interesting lectures to go see from interesting presenters. Uh, you can look at new equipment uh, and also buy some old equipment in the swap meet outside. But the best thing about Dayton is the opportunity to meet new people and to catch up with friends that you haven't seen for a while. So uh, from all the amateurs in Australia and from myself, uh, have a great time and 73s. I wish he could have been here. He, we finally met Peter in person uh, this this past year at the Huntsville Ham Fest. Yeah, we did. There's actually a clip of that that's going to come up a little bit later. Okay. Be good to look at it. You know, it, being an international show, we've, well, we, we make that claim because it's two Americans here and uh, two foreigners, Peter from Australia and Emil from then, South Louisiana. Yeah, that's like another country for sure. Yeah. Hello, Dayton. Be sure to catch some of these cool vendors while you're there. And certainly check out Amateur Logic TV. 73 is from the KE5QKR Cheap Old Man. Michael, good to see you again. Great to be back. Great to have you back again, both of you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to be here. You may have to eat that mic to, to get any uh, modulation in here. Okay. There you That'll go. work. <laughs> so tell us about... Hamvention 2016. Have we got anything new going on this year? Um, I would like for, to invite everybody up to go to the uh, um, entrance up there at Silver Arena and look at the uh, mega station. That We have a, a big special event station up there, and uh, we've had a lot of people help put that together. So you get the opportunity to go up there. Uh, that's a really great thing. Got a lot of great forums going on, and uh, I hope you all get a chance to meet somebody new while you're here. There's a just people from all over the world and uh, go up to the international section and, and meet some of those folks and work them on DX. You know, I've seen a lot of uh, people, particularly from down under, to just today, uh, a number of folks from Australia and New Zealand. But we've got people from all over the world, right? Yeah, we got people from um, the Middle East. We've got a big contingent here from uh, the National Institute of Amateur Radio in India and uh, where they're really working hard to build amateur radio, um, their numbers up in India right now. People from Japan, um, people from Germany up there. Really, I I did an interview this morning, George, with uh, uh, people from Romania for uh, for their Romanian uh, uh, amateur radio magazine, and they want to come and they want to get more involved internationally. Well, that's that's great. Well, how many people does it take? to pull together a hamvention uh two 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 yeah no <laughs> let me tell <laughs> you busy people let me tell you how this works everybody asks how the, how does this work how much money does the guy who's in charge get paid and uh what i want to tell you is it's all volunteer from a general chairman all the uh, board members all the volunteers 350 to almost 400 volunteers we work all year round for that the only thing that we pay money for of course we lease out the Hera arena and we buy um we buy uh, uh protection services security services you know rent golf carts and those things but our volunteers do it all and we are so fortunate and i want to say something about hamvention and the people that volunteer here they got as much passion about amateur radio as anybody in the world well we appreciate Darren putting together Hamvention every year. I mean, I, th I think it's well known as the best ham fest in the world. And people talk about, well, what if something happens to the Hare Arena? Let's let's move it to Orlando or, or let's move it out to Arizona where I live. But there, there could only be a Hamvention right here in the Dayton area. 
you know, I believe. I'm glad you made those comments. I love hamcation down in Orlando. As a matter of fact, uh, those of you who have been to Orlando, um, Peter and his wife, Liddy, who run Hamvention down there, and their staff are all here. We work really closely with them. We support anybody doing a ham fest anywhere in the world. And we don't hide, um, we don't hide how we do anything. And we feel that it's not about being the greatest or the best. It's wherever you, as an amateur radio operator, have the best experience, I think. Yeah. Uh, is everybody having a good time at Hamvention this year? Let, let's hear it for Dara and the people who put, put this show together every year. Thank we you. We really appreciate your hard work. I know it's a lot of effort from, on everybody's part. Well, it's, it's the same goes for what you guys do. Week after week, they're putting this program on. And can you imagine all the stuff they got to bring and tote here from, where did you say you lived, Alaska? No, 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 Mississippi. <laughs> Arizona, Mississippi. We, your <laughs> accent is more like, um, I don't know, Georgia. Georgia? No, well, yeah. <laughs> anyway, the work that these guys do, I think they deserve a big round of applause. I mean, we learn a lot about amateur radio and what's happening for these guys watching their program. And you know what? It's fun. These guys are fun. Let me hear something for these guys. Yeah. They don't ever ask for much. They do a great job. I appreciate it. We're just up there having a good time. Yeah, having a good time. And, you, you know, when when you find something new or something you like to do, you won't want to tell all your buddies so they'll do it too. And that, that's pretty much it. We're just having fun with ham radio and technology and passing it along and hoping that someone else will get interested. That's and I, right. I know it must be a labor of love also for the, the people here at DARA and putting this event together. It really is. And I want to let you know that DARA has international members. And I, the, the DARA members and the people that work here at Hambenchen, they sort of know how to take a slamming and keep on hamming. They really do. I, I couldn't thank them all enough. I mean, no matter what their job is, some of them you don't see. They're behind the scenes. Yeah. So... You said two people, but any idea just just how many people are involved in putting this together? Nearly 400 volunteers. Oh, wow. Nearly 400 volunteers. And somebody said, wow, how do you do it with 400 volunteers? Well, some, and then somebody came back at me and they said, your problems will begin if you start paying them. So, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's probably some truth to that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> well, we're just pleased. So what are we looking at for next year? Are we going to be back again? Well, that's the plan right now. And I will tell you, um, we work, we work gl- very closely with Hera. And I know there's rumors, rumors, rumors. I mean, I walk down, hey, well, what's going to happen next year? We'll have a handvention. And one of the things that we, that we always look at year after year is a contingency plan and where we would have it. I, can't, I won't divulge all that because it would be... You know, until anything like that would ever happen, things can change. But we, we see our, the importance of having a hambention. Just the fact that we get to bring all these amateur radio operators together, the fact that vendors get to show off their new equipment, George gets to have a radio program, and I get to be on it. Now, that's important. <laughs> There's a lot of great things, but we are planning, we're working with, with Hera, and, and you never know what's going to happen. You hear rumors, but uh, right now, business as usual for next year. Okay. Michael, we appreciate you, and we appreciate everybody here that comes together to make Hamvention a reality. Uh, heck, we even appreciate the Harrow Arena. You know? <laughs> Thank what, you. what can you say? It wouldn't be the same <laughs> anywhere else. <laughs> hey, hey, those of you who come to the prize um, a drawing at 1 o'clock, we've got some new signs that will be going up there so you can easily read the numbers, and we also are going to have, uh, we think, a better PA system so you can understand. Oh, the hell, right? I like that. You know what yeah. I mean? So, <laughs> anyway, thank you so much for having me on. It's really an honor, really a pleasure. And uh, both of you, good luck, and I hope you have a great show. And to all of you out there, 73s. I right. appreciate you, Michael. 73, Michael. Hi, Don. Good, good to see you in uniform today. Well, thanks a lot, George. How are you doing? Oh, doing pretty well. I'm here representing, of course, uh, K2BSA. Mm-hmm. We do have a booth over in the ARRL area, and uh, be happy for you guys to stop by and see that. Um, yeah, I'm one of the leaders in scouting. It's uh, sort of funny people 
know, when you do good things, people say, what are you, or a Boy Scout? And I say, yeah, I am. <laughs> and uh, so I came back to scouting with my son and uh, been heavily involved in amateur radio and Boy Scouting, especially the combination of those two, which we call radio scouting today. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm amazed as I go across the country, I find a lot of people, amateurs and scouts, who don't know anything that radio scouting exists. And it's a big movement in uh, scouting today to get youth involved from both sides for amateur radio and scouting. And, of course, it's two great hobbies coming together for really lifelong avocation mm-hmm. and vocation. So it's a good thing to support. Yeah, Boy Scouts is such a great organization. I was a Boy Scout when I was a kid. I started as Cubs, worked my way up into Boy Scouts, and I was in there for a long time. I never did make it to Eagle. Um, we ended up moving away in the in the small town I had, there wasn't so much support for it. But um, I was a scout leader for my son's group. I went to sign him up for Tiger Cubs, and they talked me into being a leader when I went to sign him up. So well, I stayed in it that. for a good while. So we appreciate I that. I had a shirt pretty much just like that hanging in the closet now. Well, it's interesting how people come back to scouting. I came back to scouting uh, when my son got into Cub Scouts, and uh, we've been really fortunate. We've been to uh, all the four high adventure bases. And through that, I've taken amateur radio along with me. So it was a natural progression to go over to K2BSA um, as a resource center. And that's what we're really trying to develop it as. I happen to be uh, signed up as the vice president of that and the JODA chairman uh, from that. And our resources, what we're trying to get on the website is all those questions you have about how do I get radio started in my troop, in my council? How do I hold a JODA event? Um, How do I get scouts interested? How do I bring amateurs in? That's what we're trying to make as a resource at K2BSA. And, of course, our big event coming up in October is Joda, Jamboree on the Air, and its companion uh, topic is Jodai, which is Jamboree on the Internet. And hmm, every that's a year, new Yeah. Well, that's been going on for a number of years, but it doesn't get very well publicized. Much more popular in Europe than it is here in the U.S., but it gives another avenue for the amateurs and the scouts to come together. And do you realize that uh, over a million Scouts and amateurs participate in JODA every year. Oh, that's wow. incredible. That's, no, no a, that's idea. incredible. In 150 countries. And uh, it happens on the third weekend of October every year. Um, and it's a great event for promoting communications around the world. Of course, using amateur radio in all sorts of contexts. And uh, also, it helps promote radio merit badge, radio scouting. And, of course, you can see on uh, trained on this side is there are several badges that you can earn through scouting for amateur radio. There's an interpreter patch that is for Morse code. I know you're a big Morse code guy. Uh, well, well, it only takes <laughs> five Maybe not so big. Actually, when I was a scout, I did build a code key. There you go. Never learned what to do with it, but I, I did build one. You probably still have it. No, I'm not. My mother probably does, <laughs> yeah. Okay. But there is an interpreter strip scouting uh, a number of years ago recognize just like knowing chip uh, Japanese or Chinese or Spanish or another language um, they put that together as an interpreter strip so that you can wear that on your uniform so you can have instant notification to mm-hmm. another scout to say oh I know Morse code oh, cool that's pretty cool so to, to get your radio merit badges you pretty much need an amateur to volunteer to come and work with the boys right it certainly does help radio merit badge actually has uh, three components to it short wave um, and radio as an amateur is part of that also it does make a lot of sense to have because there is a portion of getting on the air and you can do that at a uh, get on the air station or you can do that in general contacts on a repeater however you do that and again radio merit badges all merit badges are really related to uh, creating awareness of what is there it doesn't give you the license but I know in my last show I had uh, four scouts come out of that and go and test, and three of them got their tech license. So it's a great. way of uh, graduating people up through the ranks and a nice progressive step. Yeah, that's great. And those young people, that's what we need to get into the hobby so we can continue it on in the future. Exactly. And uh, one of my big focuses is, of course, there's about, about 700,000 amateurs in the, in the country, and there's roughly 2.5 million scouts. And wow. I'll bet if you talk to, just like the two of you, most of those amateurs have a scouting background of some kind. Was in scouts, got started with Morse code, got started with 
uh, oatmeal can crystal radio, whatever it was, there's a connection. And yet many of them don't know that ham radio as radio scouting even exists. So one of our goals is to reach out to those two groups and bring them together and say, you don't have to become a scout again, but lending your expertise as an amateur to teach Radio Merit Badge, to teach CW, to, to just be there maybe on a field day for a Jota event. That's our core is we're trying to reach out to them and say, you already know what scouting's like. You know what it did for your life. Come back to, the, to that. And, of course, coming up um, in 2017 is our big event, National Jamboree, and K2BSA will be there full force. We have already uh, 28 staff signed up to run that event. And that'll be, again, another international event because the nature of that being in uh, West Virginia at the summit. Yeah. So do you go to the, the, uh, the I big do. Uh, jamboree in West Virginia? I do. I've been to uh, most of the jamborees. The last one, actually, I was on the medical staff. Um, but I certainly was on the ICOM-supported repeaters down there and all the equipment that they provide for the jamboree. Again, they are a... Uh, supporter of that with radio equipment and uh, items that they put out, of course. Uh, I know they're repackaging those 10 loader units mm-hmm. to include, I think, 7300s into those. They have 7200s in them right now. So they're a great supporter. We can't say enough about them and the support that they give to us. So yeah, I know that they're really big in supporting the scouting. So I'd ask anybody that uh, sees the uh, Information, if they want to contact me, W3LNE at net. Feel free to reach out to me and uh, be happy to work with you. Uh, generate any articles, resource documents, information you might need. So, appreciate the time today, guys, yeah. and uh, watch your show very often. It's a great show. Saw it from the beginning when you were in the small little place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the rough days. Yeah. yeah. Well, Don, we appreciate you stopping by and speaking with us. And uh, everything that you and all the volunteers do to promote radio scouting and, and bring the next generation of hams in, into the hobby. Well, it is a real pleasure. Two of my favorite things to do is scouting and amateur radio. So there you go. Can't get better than that. There That's absolutely go. right. And I understand you brought someone with us that we'll have up here in just a moment. Yeah, that, pretty uh, special guy to me. He probably saw you when you were a scout. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it goes way back. And we're looking forward to talking to him, too. All right. Thanks for being Thanks, with Don. us. Thanks, Don. Thank you. We've got someone really special now who knows uh, uh, probably more about amateur radio than any of the rest of us here. And we are honored tonight okay. to have Arthur Cunt, W3WM, with us. Uh, Arthur is Don's father. And how many years have you been an amateur, Arthur? Did you, did you just get licensed, or have you been around a few years? Well, not uh, a few years. Actually, a lot of years. Too many years. Actually, about 76 years. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I think I might beat the record for anybody around here in this arena deal. It's, it's a lot of years. Boy, and you've probably seen a lot of activity come and go with with amateur radio during that period. What what was it like 76 years ago? (laughs) Well, that was a long time ago, and that was precisely in about 1938, 1939. And at that time, I was in high school, and I had a great interest in shortwave listening. And I was collecting all these shortwave cards coming in from all over. And the one I particularly remember is getting one from the Soviet Union at that time when the United States did not recognize them. And I received this package from the Soviet Union about uh, collaborating on the card that I had sent them. And they said, yes, you did that. My mailman said, I think you're a communist. I'm going to turn you in. (laughs) And here I was, what, 15 years old or something like that. So that's where I got started at that time. And, of course, everything was vacuum tubes and uh, 6.3 volts on the filaments and heavy-duty transformers and uh, lots of weight in whatever package we put together. And I ended up with a, uh, at that time, a kit from Stancor. All the transformer guys in those Mm -hmm. days made kits. 
that was their affiliation to amateur radio. And the one that I chose at that time was a Stancore 10P. It has, had uh, CW and AM modulation. And of course, with 10, 10 watts, you really can't do very much. But that's all I could afford. I had no other equipment. I, I was so new to amateur radio, I knew nothing. I really knew nothing. And everything I got was from some place or other. So it helped me along. So I bought this little kit, and it cost me someplace in the area of 15 to $20. That's because money was so uh, devaluated at that, at that time. I built a little kit, got my first soldering iron, put it all together, and here it had it, and I was able to get on the air. I put up a long uh, uh, dipole antenna, and I operated at that time on uh, the CW band on 160 meters. And a lot of people say, what, CW? Well, actually at that time, that band went down to 1715 kilohertz. Huh. 1750. And just above it were the police bands, and uh, so you had to be careful. But at that time, most of us used crystal control, so once you got the rock in, well, you knew where you were going to be. So were, were um, most QSOs back in that day CW, or was there a lot of AM going on? There was a lot of AM going on, particularly on 160, and uh, I'd be careful. Let's see. At that time, on the 80-meter band, I think we did not have any allowance on audio at that time. So the hmm. next band would be up would be 20 meters. All the bands that you have today, of course, we did not have at that time. But uh, so I was on 160. It was the most popular band. Uh, it brought in, and I lived in the Chicagoland area at that time. So I heard all these guys coming in once I got a receiver, and I found out by listening to them and information they put out that, hey, this guy lives close to me. So that's how I got to meet my radio amateurs for the first time. And actually, before I got licensed, I didn't know a single radio amateur. So what what got you interested in in amateur radio? I had two things that were very interesting interesting to me. I liked something that had to do with strange countries, far distant countries, countries I wanted to go to. So I'd hang out at the library, and I was a young squirt at that time, someplace in the area, about 10 years old. i go to the library and found out I could get a, a free library card, and I could take anything I want out of the library. Whoa, that was a new fascination. At that time, Africa was a very strange place in the world, and I used to take these African books out and read about them. So I had a fascination for distant places, far-off places, real early on. That was my first primary driver. And then I found out that when I was in the drugstore looking for free at all the magazines around there, I discovered QST and I think it was radio and a couple other shortwave magazine types. And I would look at them for free so I wouldn't have to buy it because it cost maybe 10 cents. And so I that linked together and then I learned about shortwave broadcasting and that brought me to the story I gave you a little before I was listening to shortwave and all that wedded together and I didn't know a thing about amateur radio until that time when I stumbled upon the whole business and in that stumbling I found myself moving along forward and I would get more and more interested but again I never met a radio amateur until the time I got licensed, and that was in 1939. Now, what was the process like to get licensed back then? I imagine oh. it was more difficult than it is now. Yes, indeed. That, that's an interesting story. Uh, here's what happened. I took this to the federal courthouse in Chicago, Illinois. That's a mammoth building. So I went up there, a couple floors up, walked up there, and entered the area that was uh, premised for uh, the FCC. And uh, there were about a dozen of us came in there. We didn't know each other. And my experience is what I just told you. And everything I got was from reading it someplace. So got in, and the R.I. was a very stern-looking guy, as if he's going to penetrate any secrets that you have and, uh, or anything you brought in. <laughs> so he said, uh, first of all, he said, no use sitting to take the test 
unless you can pass the CW. You had to pass the CW first. And at that time was 13 words per minute. No exception, 13 words oh, per wow. minute. So we all sat down and took the key and did our transmitting and, and receiving. Some failed right away, so we scooted them out there. He said, okay, now you guys have passed the CW part of it. Now we're going to take the theory part of it. He gave us a little blue book site, and like you get to university, little blue books. And then got a sheet of questions. I don't know today whether those questions were the same for all the other guys who were in there. But hmm. anyway, you sat there, and you said, I want two at a table, one at this corner, one at that corner, so there's no collusion whatsoever. And they were really worried about collusion. <laughs> we're scared stiff. And so uh, it was handwritten, so you wrote the answer out. There were diagrams in there. And I think we sat there at least a couple of hours, at least then. And some, you could see, were in utter despair. I did the best I could. So he graded him right on the spot. And he said, you didn't make it out. You didn't make it out. You made it. Got to me. Says, you made it. Holy moly. <laughs> I made it. But the uh, next part of the story was that um, in those days, you had a Class A, Class B, Class C license. If you had a Class C license, that means you're out someplace on the farm in the sticks and you can't get tested by FCC personnel. Yeah. So you got that temporary C license. And then the B license went to all others who passed. And then you could upgrade to a, a, C, a, a license. One year later on, you take the test there and it was much upgraded. And I, I guess I was smart enough or maybe dumb enough, uh, both at the same time. A year later, I had the confidence to go up there and be, be tested again. And I was a young squirt and I passed the test successfully. So that didn't do me good at the ham radio clubs because they looked at me as, hey, squirt, you're showing off over here. What, <laughs> what are you trying to do? I mean, we've been in here a long time. We don't have a Class A license. What are you doing here, see? So actually, that was a backfire. I mean, I never expected that at all. Huh. Yeah. Nice. Well, so being around Hamilton Radio for 76 years, you, you've seen a lot of world events in that time. Tell us about uh, World War II and what yeah. your experience was there. Well, uh, I've been continuously licensed for 76 years. I had no drop in the license at all. So when World War II came along, what happened, they temporarily suspended all operations. Well, temporarily was about five or six years. They suspended operations. Uh, during the war period. I was uh, on the day of so-called infamy at Pearl Harbor uh, when we were then involved in the war. Um, I, was on, I was on amateur radio band, the 75 meter band, and I was utilizing my new benefits that I could be on the 75 meter band with my Class A license. And so I was there it was a Sunday. I remember it very well. And we had come home from church as a family. And I, at that time, was a new freshman at Northwestern University at the engineering school. And uh, I was on the air doing my usual thing, looking for people to talk to. And all at once, there were, what, police minders, frequency minders, rolling up and down the ch- the. Ch- the band saying, get off the air, get off the air. Pearl Harbor is the band. Get off the air, get up. Most of them know where Pearl Harbor was, for one huh. thing. And the other thing was, who are these police miners over here scooting us off the band? Well, we finally got the, the drift of it all, and we went off the band. So about in Chicago time, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that band was completely finished. No one came back. That was the last time I was on. It happened to be on Pearl Harbor Day until when I resumed unofficial operations when I was with the Navy in Okinawa. And shortly after we landed in Okinawa, the ships and fleet came into the harbor over there, and we had learned by shortwave traffic that the FCC allowed reoperation in the United States. So a lot of us were, were hams in the Navy, so we got on our Collins at that time, Collins, high frequency, 28 megahertz 
type mm -hmm. radio got on there and suddenly we had a whole bunch of people talking together strictly illegally talking amateur radio at that time and that was very very strange that that happened so that was my next time back on the air and i've been on, on the air continuously since that time too wow so so you were in the in the navy i guess you you joined just right after pearl harbor yes yeah that's right and i I served on active duty for uh, many years and then returned to regular civilian type stuff and then I had a hanker to get into the Navy again with the Korea start so mm -hmm. I became a member of the Naval Reserve and I served a total time of 35 years and finally retired as a Naval Captain oh. you know, see these big wings out here? <laughs> naval Captain <laughs> Wow. I really appreciate your service. So, and you, um, I guess maybe amateur radio steered you in the direction of electronics. Didn't you um, have a career in electronics? Uh, yes, I did. Uh, I spent most of my time in some part of electronics. So I saw a tremendous amount of change. Remember, I came out of the time period when everything was discrete comp componentry, mm -hmm. vacuum tubes and all the kind of stuff. So... Uh, so for probably 20 years or so, I was engaged in that state of the art. Uh, certainly, I came out of the vacuum tube period and probably didn't see semiconductors come in until someplace in the 60s, someplace in that time period. And up to that time, of course, everything was as before. Uh, I saw the demise of all the manufacturers of discrete componentry they just disappeared and then with the change to semiconductors it took over the television industry and that was a mammoth uh, place that required all kinds of population of people to do things and we lost that whole industry over a number of years as there was a switch from vacuum tubes over to non-vacuum tubes that was a yeah. whole big change. That's how it all happened. Wow. So um, I, I know when I came along, we, we were well into transistors. We still had vacuum tubes around. We were into transistors, and integrated circuits were just uh, becoming real popular. And I was thinking the whole time, what is this doing to the, uh, to the TV service guys? Because a lot of them... They knew how to swap tubes. Right, and that's the way it was done in those days. Taylor was yeah. cover sky. Mm -hmm. Well, Arthur, we appreciate you visiting with us and uh, telling us a little bit about uh, amateur radio that a lot of us didn't know. And now uh, you've got family members that are hams as well, don't you? Well, my son Donald was here just a moment ago, and yeah. I have a grandson. And my wife also at the same time was a radio amateur. Oh, For 15, 16 years, she knew nothing technically about amateur radio but she wanted to be part of amateur radio because i was and we made so many trips to dayton here as an example and other places with my wife and she thought she wanted to be a member of amateur radio also what happened was she took the test and she had really no aptitude for it and took the test 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 six or seven times took the test one time we were in florida and we took the test because it happened to be handy. And the premise at that time was, if we take the test long enough, we're going to remember parts of all these other tests, and we're yeah. going to pass. Well, it happened. And <laughs> the test said, I never saw a person so surprised when I told them <laughs> that they passed the test. So my wife got there about 16 years ago, and she proudly was a member of AWRL and amateur radio and sported her regalia and all that stuff. She loved being part of Amateur Radio. That's oh, great. That's great. Yeah, my wife's a ham as well, and uh, she got her ticket because I had mine. She saw how much I enjoyed it, so she kind of got hers too. Right. Yeah. If you're enjoying it, I ought to enjoy it too. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and my, my son uh, grew up around it from the time he was probably, I don't know, I, I think I probably got licensed when he was um, probably about eight or nine years old. And he didn't didn't have much interest. And when he turned 30, he just got the bug all of a sudden and, and went and got his general. Well, I'll tell you yeah. a secret. My son Donald was here, didn't get the bug until later in life. 
even though he was around. I, I was a big DXer, did mm-hmm. all that. And he tells me the family remembers me as being, hello, CQ, CQ, CQ. <laughs> <laughs> what a memory he has of me. But it didn't do anything to him until about 35 or something like that when he got into it again. Yeah. So that's our history. Thanks for being hey, here. Thank, yeah, you, thank so much. you so much. We appreciate it. It's and a uh, boy, let, let's hear a hand here for, for Art. Some great ham radio history there. And uh, we, we hope that you make it to Dayton here many more times. I've been here about 20 times before, so I am a frequent visitor. And uh, of course, I've enjoyed amateur radio to the fullest. Otherwise, it would not have been this long in amateur radio. So, but continuously licensed. So, are, are you going to make it to the flea market outside here? Well, is that meant to be a real question? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> here, there you go. Okay. Well, thanks, thanks for being here, Art. Okay. It's a pleasure. Thank you again. Thanks. Yes, sir. Thank, thank, thank you, you again. so much. We have some more uh, Rare DX here. It's it's Darth Darth Novak or Darth Ray. I know it. It. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Don't y'all think he looks a little bit like Rock and Ray from last year? Let's hear no. your Elvis impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> so, how has have you found Ham Nation or excuse me Hamvention? to be this year hot uh, yeah I, I can imagine so uh what tommy surely we've got some questions i yeah, mean we I'm, don't i'm kind of wondering what kind of antennas you've got on the death star long ones yeah. quarter long yeah <laughs> look like about a quarter wave on two meters there yep what what about radio I'm sure you got some gear in there probably the finest icom Absolutely. Just a few. Just a few? <laughs> Just a few. <laughs> so, what, what would be your, your favorite mode of operation? I, I guess uh, in that get up, it maybe be CW or, uh, or Ritty or something? Use the force. You the force. use the force. <laughs> uh, is there any kind of greetings that, that you would like to? To give the audience here today. No? See, live long and prosper. You can, you can say that, but I, I, you got to do like this, I think, think when you do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's close enough. Yeah. So. Has he sung the song yet? He has not sung the song. And, and I don't think anybody here really wants me to sing. No. Maybe you should sing it for him. <laughs> so, what what is your uh, position with ICOM now? I, I know that obviously you wouldn't make this long voyage in, unless y- you had some business here. I have an evil emperor that I must make happy. <laughs> I got nothing for that. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think we all have one of those. That looks like, um, I don't know, it would be good for Alaska in the winter. It's got to be hot in there. It looks quite it hot. It is very hot. But I feel a disturbance in the force. That must mean that NV9L is close. NV9L is close. And I guess what? You probably... Uh, Worked her before. No. No. Well, Valerie, here's your chance to to make uh, one more DX contact there. I don't know if if uh, if there's an award for Interstellar or not, but but maybe you can get it here. But the force in that one is very strong. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. She no longer operates QRP. <laughs> oh, so no. she's a ham Jedi. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for allowing me to be here. Well, thanks for being here, and we hope that you'll um, 
Drop by again when you're in the galaxy. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> 73, 73. Party on, Darth. Yeah, let's make sure he doesn't fall off the stage either. Did he say party on, Darth? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what I said. <laughs> Valerie, it's good Hi. to see you here Hello. today. Thank you for having me. Hey, so, I've never actually met you in person Hi, well, nice you to meet you, Tommy. Yeah. I have met you in person, yeah. but I'll shake your hand anyway. <laughs> I wish you could have been there Wednesday. Was I good. wish I could have. Y'all had a big time on Ham Nation. Yeah. I know with, uh, I, I've tried to do it before, keep up with uh, Bob Hall and Gordon West, and it's just not possible, is it? I swear, those, I don't know where they get the energy. Yeah, they, um, <laughs> they're, they're hard to keep up with. So how has um, Contest University been this year? Oh, it was good. I, w- I was actually a professor this year, and uh, I had a good crowded room, uh, and it's also on the stream. So if anybody wants to go to contestuniversity.com, you can stream it or look at the uh, classes for free now. Um, but it was, a, it was a good event. They sell out at 250, and they had 275, so I don't know how they managed that. But it was a oh, record wow. crowd, 10-year anniversary. So wow, good 10 years. Yeah. Well, they've been around as long as uh, Amateur Logic has. Then. Yeah, yeah, we're working on our 11th. Yeah. Wow. So tell us what's – I'm sure a lot of people want to know, and, and I've asked different people this question. What got you interested in ham radio? Um, you know, I didn't know anybody that was a ham, really, um, where I worked. I worked for a video game company. Uh, they did Golden Tee Golf and things like that, and I, I was an accountant – but I was always like to go down and help the guys in technical support on the bench, maybe swapping out power supplies or EEPROM. You might need to, yeah, to work power supplies up. or EEPROM chips and things like that. So I always had a geeky streak, and mm-hmm. a bunch of them decided to go get their ham ticket. I couldn't go that weekend, so I convinced my daughter to go with me, and we got our license maybe a month later. And oh, then so I, your daughter is licensed yeah, too? Yeah, I was KC9KIQ, and she is KC9KIR. Um, and then, of course, uh, it's a requirement now. All my kids have to get their ham radio license before <laughs> they get their driver's license. So, uh, But, yeah, so my son is KD9AOG. Um, but, yeah, I got really active in two meters with uh, the local groups, a lot of very active groups in the Milwaukee area. And um, so everybody just told me, keep going, keep going, keep going. So I got my general, I got my extra, and then uh, I really learned the hard way how to DX uh, I'd hear these people contesting, didn't know what that was. You know, I'd get invited to a CUSO party, and I'm like, no, I can't go. I live in Wisconsin. You're in California. I didn't know what a contest was. So I uh, learned a lot of that the hard way. So, But uh, I, I just have a blast, especially when I found DXing and contesting. I really found my home because I was more shy, didn't mm-hmm. like to uh, rag chew, was afraid to break into a rag chew. So the DXing worked, and the contesting, you know, it's high, five, nine, and by, you know, real nice and quick for if you're shy. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that's how I got in. You know, DXing and contesting is not not for everybody. You guys, I mean, you got to you sit down with a master plan in mind, I think, and just go at it. Because Tommy and I have trouble even, you know, doing anything to mount anything on field day. Oh yeah, usually field day we're probably two or three hours into it before we ever get on the air. Well, that's happened to us on occasion, not by choice. You know, something always breaks down. But, uh, yeah, we're, it, you have to have a commitment sometimes if you really want to get uh, uh, things going. Like, I'll have tech set up, and we'll be in the middle of dinner, and all of a sudden somebody spotted that we need. We're like, check, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Wow. So you've been with Ham Nation for a while now. Just over two years, yeah. Just over two yeah. years. Oh, wow. wow. Time flies. Yeah, it does. So how, how do you like that coming up? I is it a lot of work? I just want to ask you that. Well, I'm sure it is for you as well. When you, especially when you do some of the videos. Interviews are a little faster, but uh, uh, pretty much for every minute of airtime, it takes about an hour of prep, right? Is that it's, about the same for you? That's about so, right, yeah. And I do 10 minutes every other week, so that's about 10 hours. Yeah. So it's not that bad, especially when you love what you're doing. It's not so bad. Yeah, that's the yeah. key. Yeah. yeah. And so you're working... I guess we're in the same industry now. You work for a radio station? Uh, that's sort of on the side right now. Not not really doing that right now. I mm-hmm. just have a part-time job. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm in between radio stations, so to speak. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I did work for a 50,000-watt station. I was backup morning DJ, WGFA, oh. world's greatest farming area. 
Cool. So I'd be lucky to squeeze five songs in an hour. It was all farm reports and <laughs> soil minimums and maximums and very agriculture heavy. Well, that's <laughs> not in Milwaukee. So you're not in the Milwaukee area now? No, uh, I uh, met my fiance on the air. <laughs> Love is in the air, waves. <laughs> and um, so uh, I moved down to his monstr- monstrosity of an antenna farm, and uh, it's a regular farm as well. So oh, cool. I live in the middle of nowhere in Illinois. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen the antenna farm. Yeah. Now he's, I know he's been on a lot of de-expeditions. Have you been yeah. on one? Um, I don't know if you call it, I mean, it's not like a tent and generator de-expedition with, you know, 14-man teams, but uh, I've been to... Uh, PJ6, which is the island of Sa- Saba or Saba, I'm not sure, how, you know, everyone pronounces it different, but uh, I went there to contest, and uh, we got a, not only first place uh, world, we broke, and they're still current record holders for that world record, so that was my first world record for wow. contesting, So, wow. and I fell in love with that place. I want to get married there. I keep bugging uh, Tim Duffy that they need to come out with a bridal registry on DX Engineering <laughs> so I could go around with the laser gun and uh, <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. and then we'll get married on Saba. <laughs> wow. Well, how many hours do you you? I mean, do you work work on the air every week? Or do you just wait oh, till no, there's I, a big event? I am on the air every week. Uh, I use uh, the logging software I use, DX Lab Suite, um, has a spot collector, so it yells at me when I need a country on oh. this band. So it's oh, constantly, nice. while I'm in the office, uh, on my computer, I constantly hear it going. Some of them are embarrassing. You know, it'll say, like, USA on 30-meter ridi. <laughs> How did well, I not get USA on 30-meter ridi? So, um, yeah, so it tells me what I need and when I need it, and then I have to go hook up the antenna, right well. antenna, and... I've, I've seen your shack. It yeah. sounds like shooting fish in a barrel. There was a learning curve, though. I mean, yeah. because we no, have I'm so sure. many stack matches and antenna and coax. I mean, I have probably five antennas uh, I can choose from just for 20 meters. Um, so it's it's a bit of a learning curve to go into the coax room, which is pretty scary, um, and figure out which one goes where and hook it all up and get ready. So, yeah. It sounds like a pretty good problem to have, though. It is a good problem to have, especially <laughs> since I just had a little used tri-bander uh, and 100 watts in my station in Wisconsin. So definitely uh, but, much nicer. Oh, yeah. But you can work DX and contest with 100 watts, can't you? Oh, you can. And when Jerry was on a deserted island, I had to wait for him to go on a deserted island. But uh, I actually did my first QRP contest because I figured with that antenna, power, uh, that antenna farm and the YL db gain i get two yeah. db gain i get being a while yeah. i figured you know i should give qrp a shot second place but you know oh, came yeah. close yeah it's, uh, <laughs> it's a little bit weighted yeah so so what's next what activity is it that you want to do that that you haven't done or you haven't fully explored it yet well um we are we just put together a, a six meter yagi it's a 10 elements on a 60 foot boom it's huge uh, for six meters, as soon as we get back, we're going to put that in the air, and um, I really want to focus on six meters and get going on that. Uh, that's sort of a weakness. I really haven't done much with that. And that's that's a lot different than than I. It is, and there's a yeah. lot more patience to that. Probably more so than 160, I yeah. would think. Yeah, it's a fun band when it's open, though. Yeah, yeah. And we're coming up on the season, so yeah. that'll be good. Yeah. yeah. Well, Val, we appreciate right. you stopping by. Thank you for by. having me. It, it's, it's nice good to finally see. meet you, Tommy. Yeah, yeah same here. Yeah. And we're going to see you tomorrow, tomorrow at yeah, the at Ham Forum Nation Room Forum. One, right? Forum Room yeah, 1, we'll yeah, 30 the in the morning. Room. All I, th- right. I think I'll see someone we know out there oh, yeah, in the audience. Big time. What's going on here? Huh? Hi. It's great to see you as always. My name is Bob. I spell that with one O. Oh, do you? Hello. <laughs> one Bob. How are you? One O. Okay. One-o, Hi, yeah. Bob. I have a brother-in-law. We spell his with two. <laughs> <laughs> We're having too much fun here, are we? We are. It's good to see you today. I didn't know if we'd be able to, to get you away from the crowd and, and over here. I set an alarm on my okay. phone. There you go. And it started buzzing my back pocket. And I said, okay, we have to go. So here I am. Well, we appreciate <laughs> you taking time out and coming by. So what 
what's on your list for for Hamvention this year? I know you don't really get to wonder from the booth very no. much, but is there anything you want to see while you're here? Yeah, I'd love to go to the flea market, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'll we, go for you. I don't know how much time I'll get to spend there. The problem is, if I go to the flea market, I'll never get back into the booth. Yeah. And, and then yeah. Sarah will fire me. <laughs> and since she owns the company, she really does, I just invent stuff. That could be really tough, because I might not have a job. Yeah. So No, I, I, I just... I'd get out there and forget time, and it, it's, it's such a passion because that's how, how I that's how I learned what I know is from playing around with all this stuff. And there's so many parts and stuff out there. I know it would be just great to go out. And it I, takes a lot of time. It does, but there's some neat things. But uh, Dayton is just Dayton. There's so many things here. No matter what you want, and uh, it's it's uh, it's the mecca of ham radio for sure. It is. I, I saw, and I don't know if you're really talking about it much yet, I saw a new microphone when I was over there at the Howl Sound booth. Yeah, we've been working on this for some time. I, I should have brought it with me maybe, but uh, it's really a, a re, rebuild of the 1933 RCA. They called it the pill because it looks mm-hmm. like a pill. Oh. Sat on Johnny Carson's desk for years and then uh, of late right, Larry King had one. And for years, that's what it was. Broadcast stations, recordings used RCA 77s. Yeah. It was built by Harry Olson, and uh, designed by Harry. And I've always loved the look of it. And, of course, big old ribbons like that. And today, they're just worth more than a car. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't hardly find one. used to be every radio station had one over... Thrown in the corner, probably with a ribbon That's right. broke on it. That's right. Finally, people started finding out about eBay. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. the value went. Yeah. I have three or four of them. But I thought, you know, I, I built the one back 10 years ago. The It was a, a, a RCA 74. It was mm-hmm. kind of the triangle shape. And um, we ran through all of that and, again, ran into tooling problems. You run into a lot of tooling problems, as you know, after you build thousands of parts and it just was going to cost more i said you know we're going to do the other because i had a lot of response a lot of requests build the 77 so mm-hmm. we did and we use our pr35 element and insides a roll off uh, switch and the pr35 has been really something that's the microphone that carrie underwood at charlie daniels uh, joe and uh, keith urban uh, the list is long and mm-hmm. almost all of the award shows you see today, they've got the PR35 capsule screwed onto the transmitters. So that's how good it is. It's an amazing element. So we put the in- inside. So it's going to sound really good, and it's not very expensive. That's the thing. I worked hard to keep the cost down. And we don't, we don't have a lot of expense on the inside because I'm using the tooling and stuff from the yeah. 35. So it works out great. Well, that helps keep keep the cost in it does and that's why i did it and hey if it was some junky little microphone it'd be different but the 35 was perfect for it so yeah. anyway that's new and we got a couple other things we're working on the pro 7 has just been amazing and we uh, finally have the hc4 here so that's mm-hmm. been kind of fun so i know we've talked about it before but just just for those who don't know what initially got you interested in amateur radio i mean i had a a, a high school chum uh that was working on his ham license but it was kind of interesting his father was the music director in marissa illinois and he was the church organist at the baptist church and had a brand new hammond organ and i would go down there to play his dad's hammond organ and eventually, my mother and father bought me a B3 Hammond organ. This is wow. 1952. It was then called a, a, a B2. And I, George was back there working on his code. So I'd be back and forth. I'd be from the organ to the back in his room and learning code. And it was George Crowder. He got his license, K9DTQ. And that's how I got started. And I went nuts. I, six meters was open. 24-7. That was the biggest sunspot cycle we'd ever had. And so I uh, 
I just got infatuated with VHF. And I didn't listen below 50 megacycles for decades. Wow. Because I was yeah. just went nuts for the VHF. I had a 110-foot Roan with a 36-foot-long Telerex and, uh, for six meters. Then I had up that 128-element array on That was meters. something. I wish we had a picture of that. that <laughs> I don't know that anything's ever been done like that before or since, has it? Well, I don't know, but that was a whole story. We could do a whole show on that. Yeah. But I learned so much from all this stuff. And that's why I just saw a young guy came to the booth a while ago. He's 12, and it brings back those memories. Because when I got on the air, I'd, I'd meet people, and you don't know who you're going to meet. And one of the first people, the two, first two months I was on the air, I met this guy. He was on single sideband on six meters. That's 1956. That hadn't been done. I mean, oh. that was rare. And I thought, what is this? And I started talking to him each night. And he gave me his address, and, and at that time I was then, at the age of 15, playing the organ at the Fox Theater. We'd play for eight to ten minutes in between the shows, and then I might have two hours to kill. And so he'd come and see me. I roll up in front of the building, and it was KMOX Radio. He was the chief engineer at KMOX. Couldn't do this today, George. He helped. I asked him, would you build me one of those transmitters? And he said, no. But I'll teach you how. And he did. Well, that's I learned word. how to solder. I learned to color code. I learned how to take a green me punch and punch out chassis. All of those things that we did back in those days. And I built that transmitter. Wow. Single sideband, six meters. We were one of the first ten on single sideband. I had a kilowatt. I built a, a Johnson 6 and 2 Thunderbolt. It was a kit. A pair of C, two, uh, four CX250s. So I, I was just overboard, as everything else I do, I guess. But I loved it. And it was my college education. It really was. I, it, it was the basis of several careers. But I sure, uh, sure enjoy ham radio. and I love passing it on, especially to the young. And that's why that when Leo Laporte asked me to put a program together on Ham Nation, I've always been... Someone, I wanted to bring this technology to the outside world. We all know, everybody here, we know how great it is. What needs to happen is the outside world needs to know. And yep, through, right. through your shows and, and Ham Nation, we see tens of thousands of people a month that would no normally think uh, we're a bunch of geeks running around. No, no, not, not, not at all. It's very technical, and it's, it's an incredible hobby. So that's why I, I jumped on that. I figured Ham Nation would last a couple of weeks, and here we are in the fifth year. That's kind of, uh, yeah, it's lasted more than a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, the first person I called was Joe. I figured, well, I won't be in trouble. I'll get Joe to help, and he was thrilled to do that. And then I called Gordo. I figured, well, we got two. And then you came along, and I'm going. I think we might have something here, and guess what? We do. <laughs> <laughs> and and thanks to ICOM for uh, supporting us, because we we would not be able to do no. that show on the Twit Network no. without their support and the support of DX Engineering. Right. Well, we get, once in a while, I'll get a rough email from some guy saying, Oh, man, you got all those ads. We don't want to see ads. Well, you know, it's... I tell you what, why don't you send us your blank checkbook and you can pay for all the time that Leo has to pay. He's got yeah. four or five people back in Petaluma that run the boards and do the lighting and do all this stuff they got to do to keep the studio running. I mean, we're all volunteers. I, I don't know about you, but it, yeah. I don't get very much money for that at all. Yeah. He, he didn't tell you any secrets, did he? I mean, he, no, he didn't you know, tell me no. any secrets. Yeah, okay. no. <laughs> no, you know, we love it so much. But, uh, yes, ICOM is, Ray Novak jumped on this thing right at the start. And God bless him and all the people that keep it going. And then every, and now it's to the point where we, we're running 67,000 views on this thing on the show. Uh, now we got, what, Casper Ma uh, Mattress and Harry's and all yeah. the other guys. Yeah. We are blessed that they're looking at the ham radio side saying, 
there's some people there that are buying our products, and we love it. And we love you. And, man, I, I can't tell you publicly how much I appreciate what you do. And, Tommy, you guys are just great. And keep it up, and we'll just keep doing our crazy little things. And well, we have, we have a lot of fun doing it every week. Yeah. Yeah, we do. If I can stay home, but what, yeah, when you can stay home. Yeah, but you guys cover really well. So well, we, we've got that Don Wilbanks fellow yeah. with us. You know, he kind of. Yeah. It, it, if nothing else, we could just sit there and watch him talk for an hour, and he That's could right. do it. He could do it he, easy, nonstop. Now he gets he he's he's got it together because he's a professional talker, yeah. a pronosticator. <laughs> yeah, I think is the right. technical yeah. term he well, uses. Well, thanks a lot. I got to get back to the booth and make sure everything's going well, Sarah and Steve and Donna and Jerry. They're all there making it happen. Thanks everybody, and um, we'll catch you down the line and. Uh, you'll catch me on my 7300 and my PR781, so look for me because I love that radio. Bob, thanks for being here, and thanks for everything you do yeah. for amateur radio. Well, thank you. Appreciate Good you taking see you. Time. All right. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, Tommy, I think we've about got an hour's worth in the can here. We're yeah. We're a few minutes over. An hour and some change. Several great guests lined up tomorrow as well. Uh, I don't have them in front of me right here, and that's probably a good thing because I don't like to plug them in advance in case uh, they don't make it. But everybody we wanted to talk to today was able to make it. We didn't know about Bob till, till he showed up. He said, I'll try to get there if I can. But Yeah, I'm glad he was able to make it. I am too. He's an interesting guy. Yep. 7-3, everyone. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be back here tomorrow at 2 p.m. with some more great guests. Thanks for being here. I'm going to push a button here and maybe they'll, here we go. Well, that's the clip for the ending. Well, I guess we're done.